Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. <clears throat> For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, <clears throat> let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. <clears throat> Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, Greta. Um, when I started looking at this passage about a month ago, it takes me a long time to work up, you know. Um, 
I kept getting the words of the song, The Hokey Cokey. Um, I'm not going to ask us to, to take part in that this morning, but um, because it was only a thought, but um, perhaps at the end of the service. You'll see why in a minute. So um, Romans 12, um, Paul starts writing this to the Christians in Rome with a therefore. And um, we know that whenever there is a therefore, we need to know what it's there for. Um, and so Paul had been going in the previous chapters, chapters, he'd been looking back at what God has done by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to save every person in his creation and to open the relationship up between us and him. And I've made a very short list of some of the things Paul mentions. The very learned people will know a lot more, but um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's only a short one. Um, because of Jesus, all who turn to him are freed from the penalty of sin and death. We are freed from the power of sin. There is now no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of Christ. Maybe somebody needs to hear that afresh this morning. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There is more, as I said, but um, I suggest you take time to reread Romans and see just how much God has done for us. And such is his desire to be involved in our lives. So, after all Paul has mentioned, he writes, because of all this, and our reaction to all this, we can do nothing else but offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God in view of what he's done for us. And when I consider the words living sacrifice, it sounds pretty scary, because in this age and culture, we don't really think about sacrifice. But of course, right at the beginning of biblical times, there are sacrifices being made. The Hebrews were taught to bring a dead animal to express their worship. We, as Christians, bring our own bodies in worship to offer ourselves totally to God with no holding back. Hence the hokey pokey. Um, I wanted to sing it because it starts off with, well, as I did it at the nursery school, you put your left arm in, your left arm out. Um, and the song progresses with arms and legs. I mean, it used to get quite raucous with the children at um, school, but um, as you can imagine. And it ends with putting your whole self in. And I think as Christians, we do something similar. There are times when we wholeheartedly cry, Lord, take all of me, every bit of me. And then as the pull of the things of the world pop up, we stand back out of the circle and offer perhaps an arm. Or a leg. When we give ourselves wholeheartedly to God, it should be evident in our lives how we live, how we respond to others, and how we face problems and decisions. In verse 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, or as one translation says, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed which comes from the Greek meaning metamorphosis. And the definition of metamorphosis is a great change in appearance or character. 
It's a process, isn't it? There are no instant fixes and we all fall or get distracted by the world. But we can come back time and time again after each mistake and ask God to continue his work as we offer ourselves again into his hands to shape and mould us. Paul never forgot where he had come from, and nor should we. He had every reason to think highly of himself, but he still needed a team. And we all need to recognise our restrictions and limitations and allow others to help as the body of Christ. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. When Paul starts to write about the gifts in verses 3 to 8, the gifts that God gives, he's obviously aware of the problems that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can bring. But if we're wanting to move in these gifts, they must be used wisely and with the love of God. I wonder, do you know what your gift is? Have you ever considered that God has given you a gift? If you know you have a gift, are you exercising it in love? When I think of the body here in, in Fivehead Baptist and the various members, I can see many gifts in operation. I see many of the out-of-sight gifts being used. People calling in on others with food after an illness. Quietly serving faithfully. God sees it and he must have such pleasure seeing that. There are people here with the gift of prophecy. Is it free to be used? Does a person with the gift of serving, teaching, or any other gifts listed have the right to ignore someone with the gift of prophecy? If it's God who freely gives the gift, have we the right to say yes to some gifts and no to others? But we need to be sensitive to each other and walk in that agape love. There should never be a them and us attitude, because we are all greatly valued by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, Paul goes into the gifts of the Spirit in much more detail and tells them to earnestly desire the greater gifts. But for whatever gift we have, if it's not got love at the core, it's a noisy gong or clanging symbol. In other words, it's harsh and unloving. Then he leads to the most wonderful bit in chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I wonder if we were going down that list, could we say, I am patient, I am kind, I do not envy, I do not boast. I'm not proud, I'm not self-seeking, 
I'm not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. I always protect, always hope, always persevere. It's quite a hard one to follow, isn't it? But there is one person who can, who can tick all those boxes, and that's the person, Jesus Christ, who loves us unconditionally. So what are some of the reasons that prevent the use of gifts? Fear, maybe? We think the Holy Spirit will take us over? He never works like that, but sometimes the flesh can creep in and we do see strange things going on. But the important thing is to keep our focus on Jesus. He is the one who longs to bless us and longs to build his body up. Or possibly there's concern of what others may think or how they might react, a sort of fear of man. But we're told to fear God, not man. And if our gifts are used with wisdom and love, there shouldn't be a problem. If the gifts aren't used, they're like a muscle and they'll dwindle. Um, I broke my ankle a few years ago and I was staggered at how quickly that muscle wasted and it took a long time to rebuild it. And so it is with the gifts of God, they need to be exercised. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I, I know what my gift is, but how do I start? How do I build on it? Well, you start by being faithful in the small things and God will do the promoting. Sometimes it's good to be a fool for Jesus. But the one thing we always need to hold on to is that these things are for the body of Christ and we all have a part to play. It's not helpful or encouraging to look at others and wish we could do the same things when we're actually being used in a different way. But each one of us is great value. There's a poem by Russell Kelfer and it says, You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and perfect, unique design called God's special woman or man. I wonder, have you ever been on the receiving end of a fellow Christian being unloving or critical? It can cause hurt and shock that a Christian can behave like that, can't it? Paul says love must be sincere. Real love or agape love is forgiving and unconditional. It's the highest and finest kind of love. And this is the kind of love that should be evident in the body of Christ. Sadly, so often it is not. As a body, we're called to be devoted to one another in brotherly, sisterly love. How are we doing? Is there anyone we need to go and make peace with? I found this passage very challenging. So because the early church was fluid with believers coming and going and moving here and there, they had to be happy to open their home, as it were, and offer hospitality to those passing through. And in verse 13, Paul is encouraging the Romans to be used in this way. It should be the same today, shouldn't it? There are so many displaced people. We need to be listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit 
as to what we can do for those in need. I'm sure, and I know many of us felt great concern for the Ukrainian situation. Brothers and sisters who had to leave everything behind. And we thought long and hard as to whether we should offer them a home. And I know many people have. How do we share one another's problems? We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. And that can be such a hard thing to get right. But here is the take from a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbour was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into his garden, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked what he had said to the neighbour, the little boy said, nothing, I just helped him cry. Sometimes saying nothing is very powerful. Earlier on, I draw our attention to metamorphosis and the need to allow God to transform us. Um, I'm sorry, this is just because um, I'm thinking of somebody who's going through this. Um, and this can happen, only happen as we allow him to change us. It's so easy to hit back when we're hurting, isn't it? And trying to defend ourselves. But we need to be overcomers and not let our natural instincts get the better of us. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I came across this account recently in our Wednesday group study. Dr. Helen Rosevear was caught up in the Congo crisis in the 60s. She was kept under arrest for five months and endured brutality and rape. Through those traumatic times, she heard the Lord saying, these are not your sufferings, they're mine. All I ask of you is the loan of your body. She wrote later of her overwhelming sense of privilege that Almighty God would stoop to ask me, a mere nobody in a forest in the jungle of Africa, something he needed. And the reason I mention this is because of her attitude to the evil inflicted on her. Because she chose to walk in forgiveness and grace, her cousin saw her attitude and saw her transformation. I remember him saying he couldn't get over the grace, forgiveness and peace that radiated from her. She had truly been enabled to overcome evil with good. Never underestimate the importance of how we react to those who hurt us or treat us badly. Blessing and forgiveness has lifelong effects on both the one hurt, but also to the one causing the hurt. So this passage is a challenging one 
that all we can do is come before God on a daily basis and offer him our bodies as a living sacrifice and die to self. Have a good week working on it.